1: you think football is still fun uh yes, yes. sir yes no no sir, sir uh it was fun not anymore though is it is it uh, no not, not no not, not, it's no it's not fun anymore no. not even a little bit just look at that he hit the fucking ball that gets a free steak <laughs> you
2: having fun yet
0: oh yeah i'm having a blast thanks nice. good
3: Alright, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. We are at our Patrons Movie Choice of the Month. The Patrons nominated voted on and selected bad words. Our patrons went with the spelling bee as the sport of choice for this month's movie. I will say I think they picked a winner. Uh this one is going to make for a great episode. The patrons have been on fire lately and they frankly they have the they have the floor for the the month of December. Uh voting on Christmas movie, a hockey movie, uh, a patrons choice episode, a movie like this. So uh shout out to our producer level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, and Chris Mikoski. If you want to support the show, if you want to vote on movies, if you wanna to, wanna to tell us how this podcast needs to go, go to patreon.com/slash big screen sports. You can support the show, vote on movies. Um, like I said, the patrons are picking the, pretty much the entire slate for December. Christmas movie, regular sports movie, patron's choice. Uh, and at a certain tier, you get a big screen sports sticker. It's a great sticker if I do say so myself. So do that, support the show, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Of course, rate, leave a review. You know, you folks, you folks know the drill. We're coming at you every Monday. Uh, today, joining me to talk about Bad Words... A uh, a guy who I'm not I'm not sure if he's a good speller, but he gives off good speller vibes. I guess we'll <laughs> see. But it is my buddy returning to the podcast, Darren Vaught. Darren, how you doing tonight?
2: I'm good. I'm good, man. I was uh all in on the scripts spelling bee as a, a youth. So this I think I think is a good fit.
3: I am not a good speller, so I need your good spelling energy. I am I'm one of these folks who is very thankful for spell check. Uh, needed in my life it's it's the the straw that stirs the drink for me spell check but darren you've got a project coming up that i personally have been wildly excited for for months now tell the folks
2: yeah so um by the time this is released or shortly after hopefully we will have a kickstarter up um a friend brian mclawhorn and i uh, have a narrative podcast called K in the Crazies. And for college basketball fans who are well aware of who Coach K is, Mike Krzyzewski, currently in his final season as Duke men's basketball head coach, you are probably aware of the Cameron Crazies, the students who inhabit Cameron Indoor Stadium, their home venue, and the phenomenon that that is. Um, but a lot of people, I think, sort of get the surface level and that's it of what it is. And there's the tenting that goes on out in Um And it, it's this wild, detailed process that leads to students getting into games and getting those seats where they can jump up and down, and and they have their chance, and they paint themselves blue and white, and they cheer that.
3: for villains.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So th- there's all that involved, and this narrative podcast covers all of it. Uh, it is centered around an interview with Mike Sheshevsky himself. Um, we've got the the woman. A never aired interview, correct? Never on anything ever. This actually started as a a documentary film project so we've got the interview with Kay recorded and and it's video but we've run into some bumps in the road with that particular project so when Kay announced his retirement Brian and I sort of circled up and we were like well the audio's really good quality too why don't we just strip it down to that and turn this into a narrative podcast series so um, it'll be six to eight episodes, um, with Coach K being an interview. The woman who is credited with being the very first to tent in Sheshevskyville when she was a student at Duke, Kim Reed. Uh, we've got a long sit down with her. Her her daughter is actually a freshman at Duke and is interested in becoming a Cameron Crazy. So there's this cool full circle thing there. Um, there's this this. Tent that has become sort of a legacy tent at Duke. It's the only one of its kind. They refer to it as Das Boot. And Brian and I befriended the originators of Das Boot back when they were students. And they're like pushing 30 now. I mean, that's how long we've been working on this thing. So like, it's cool to, to sort of finally be putting something together for it. We just had hours and hours and hours of interviews. Um We've got you know word from referees who who interact with the crazies on a regular basis, opposing players, of course, um, administrators who have seen it firsthand. And, um, it's 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 a cool project. It's a lot of fun. I think it's going to be an interesting listen. So we're opening it up to a Kickstarter to try and fund the production costs, especially considering for seven years we treated it like it was going to be a film. It, Racked up a, a decent bit of, of personal <laughs> spending uh, just to try to get it off the ground. So, um, yeah, anyway. I
3: will the the same reason we have a Patreon for this show. I just want to advise the folks: content is not free. Yes, uh, it takes right. it takes quite a takes quite a significant investment. You would be surprised. Yeah,
2: and then after the Kickstarter, and we get adequate funding for production, then I promise it's just going to be available for you to tap a subscribe button, and it's going to be there. So um k in the crazies i'll get get up with you about a link and you can share that if you want
3: that'll be in the show notes it'll be on our twitter uh everyone go support this go support this show because i need it i'm going to be supporting this show i am i'm very very excited this is this is you told me about this months ago and i i feel like i text you every couple weeks like (laughs) hey what's what's that like like hey man what's going on with the k stuff need to need to know need to know well uh yeah folks check that out again support Darren he has been a supporter of this show uh he is longtime guest guest number two or three on this show i think when we did back when we did major league yeah we earliest. did major
2: league wow yeah
3: we need to revisit that i think yeah i've been i've i've done i've redone some of the old first first run of episodes now that we're in a little more of a groove and i think i think we should revisit that uh at some point but darren let's talk uh let's talk spelling Let's talk bad yes. words. The 2013 dark comedy, a spelling bee loser sets out to exact revenge by finding a loophole and attempting to win as an adult. Someone on IMDb wrote that summary and I don't think watched the movie because uh, there's nothing about him being a spelling bee loser. It starred Jason Bateman, Catherine Hahn, and Allison Janney. And Philip Baker Hall uh, is directed by Jason Bateman. Bateman's directorial debut. It's got a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the screenplay for this one was featured on the 2011 Blacklist, which is the uh, the most liked unmade scripts of that year. Um, Bateman ended up taking the reins, starring it in himself. Darren, you were a, a first-time viewer of this movie that the patrons decided to, to have us cover. Uh, Your impressions and impressions of of Bateman doing doing everything in this one.
2: Yeah, well, I didn't realize when I pulled it up to watch it um, on HBO Max. First of all, I didn't realize I had access to an HBO Max um, subscription, (laughs) but I did. So I pulled up the app and (laughs) boom. Pleasant surprise. There it was. Pleasant surprise. I think it's my brother's. Um, So a couple of surprises there because the opening credits rolled and I was like, oh, oh bateman directed this also and is the star into that set it set the bar in a more manageable place i think because that, like that is a it's not impossible to do well but it is such a difficult thing to do well it seems and you know this was his his debut as a director as well so um, it set the bar in a, a reasonable place I found it enjoyable the concept is great um, I love the idea of a movie that's built around spe- a spelling bee right you use you use the spelling bee in, as the vehicle for the movie in a, in the same way that you would use any other sport Um
3: and I love that it's a dark, inappropriate comedy too, because the yeah. spelling bee is such this sanctimonious <laughs> institution with these, frankly, like nerdy, buttoned-up children. Um, who, you know, are f- your future Rhodes Scholars, Harvard Med, that sort of thing, and you throw in honestly like a real piece of shit into that mix, and yeah. it's this is one for me that I think is a few things away, some some tweaks from being from a, of really going up a notch and yeah. being a really really good movie. I think this one is really strong though. Mm-hmm. Um it it made me laugh out loud, which, you know, especially now, I mean, this one came out in 2013, um but especially now with kind of, it's not often that there's a, you know, a movie, a recent movie that's like I'm laughing out loud at this one. So yeah. it, it, this thing does a lot of things well. Strong cast, that whole thing. All-star starter or benchwarmer for you because I assume it's not a Hall of Fame
2: no, and well, and it can't even be a starter, right? Because of the unconventional nature of, I mean, if if the, the 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 player pool, right? If if like we're at tryouts, and there are the football movies, the baseball movies, the basketball movies that are trying out for this, like it's got to be a bench warmer. But I, I'm, I mean, I'm getting into a semantics thing. Um, I thought it was good. I'm, I'm like you. It's it's a a few steps short or a few missing elements short of being a a really good movie um but yeah no i guess i guess it's like a it's a It's maybe a role player, maybe, maybe like, yeah,
3: I'm going to say as a film, as a, as a, as a film itself, it is a, it's a strong starter. It's a sports movie. It doesn't, you know, we're, (laughs) listen, we've covered stuff that we've covered, like School of Rock. We've done Pitch Perfect. We've done sports that stuff that feels like a sports movie, but isn't a sports movie. This has all the familiar makings of a sports movie. We've got a seeming underdog. We've got a big, you know, a big event and stuff like that. So it's a strong starter for me. I think this one as a film could have been an all-star with with a couple tweaks. I I think on Letterboxd, I gave it either three stars or three and a half stars. You know what? I have my phone in front of me. Yeah. Let's see. I didn't have I didn't write a review. I just did the uh just did the let's see. Recent activity. I gave it three and a half stars and I'm going to stand by that. I feel like this is a three and a half stars movie. And I I will say I'm pretty generous on
2: letterbox. I have to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, the 66 on rotten tomatoes, I think you saw me nod when you mentioned it. Like that felt right. That's to be expected. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a good movie. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Few moments. I like you like laughed out loud. Um, Although a couple of jokes that were like, Oh wait, when was this made again? Oh,
3: I know it's probably, it's probably a little different in 2021. And there's, there's some stuff I want to ask. I want to talk about Bateman. So Bateman has been in our lives for a long time. Um, this is the third Bateman movie on this podcast where he was the lead in Teen Wolf 2, which is awful. Uh, very young. I mean, that's when he was, you know, right after network TV. Um, he is a a role player in Necessary Roughness. Another movie that is uh, that is terrible, frankly. Um, but Bateman's Bateman's been around a long time, and what I love about Bateman has such range. Even though he's got the same, he's got like the same tempo in all his movies, except for I would say Dodgeball, where he's completely zany. But he's. He's the same kind of subdued fairly even keel guy, but there is he's got this range of being you know sweet well meaning kind of guy like arrested development i think would would be the peak of that um you know some other some other roles uh you know you could even say like in in Hancock he's he's this very earnest guy who's also kind of like frankly a cuckold mm-hmm. uh but and then horrible bosses but then he's got movies like this where he is just a a fucking dirtbag. like he can do this in state of play he's like a smarmy guy uh in juno he's like kind of the surprise shitty guy um and then obviously he's the lead in ozark right now who wants to believe that he is a good guy but he is not i mean he does terrible things so where you know do you
2: prefer smug
3: or sweet bateman
2: it's a good question and i found myself um when thinking about talking about him I found myself wondering like okay to what do I most closely associate Jason Bateman right like what's what's the is it one role that you you envision when someone says Jason Bateman there's arrested development which I think is probably what he's most well known for right that's like
3: that is that's it for me
2: yeah I think so um but then I was like okay in terms of film um and and a like a movie i i don't know what that is it's it's interesting i feel like
3: jason bateman's film career is a lot more spotty than you you'd remember just because of how generally famous he is and the fact that his tv shows first arrest development which got canceled early but is generally extremely well regarded and had this this second life on Netflix and then Ozark now very popular but you like you look at his you look at his movie career at least like post 2000 and of stuff that he actually had a legitimate role in um you know, because like he's he's got a cameo in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but it's not a Jason Bateman movie. Um, if you put aside Zootopia, which is an excellent animated movie, but a, a little different, um, you know, there there's dodgeball where he's got a, a quality role in that one, but he's not he's not in the main cast. Yeah, I like horrible bosses. Um, I think the, that's he's funny. Not
2: the the only one, right? I mean, yeah,
3: like, it's yeah. It's, there's it's there's the collection. three of them. Uh, yeah, but I I would say that's probably his best in terms of how, in terms of how we view him and being popular, the gift is, is generally well regarded, re, well regarded, but that was kind of more of a, like a quasi horror kind of, you know, thriller kind of weird movie. Yeah. Um. It, it's interesting. I like this version of Bateman though. He plays like in this and then in state of play, the Russell Crowe, Ben Affleck movie, mm-hmm. he just, he plays like an off the, I can't remember. He's not like a bad publicist or not a publicist, but he's he's,
2: he's sketchy. Yeah. And he is going for it. And some of the the quick witted, long-winded insults that he gives in this one are just like show, so sharply delivered that it's like, how why is he not this in everything? Why isn't this yeah. like his role, his his type of role for for more movies? Because he's you're right, yeah. he's he's good at it. And he's he's great at being prickly, and you know there's the uh, the airplane scene early with the, the the kid that's the competitor, and you kind of first meet him, and he's just like, nope, nope, this interaction, he he just like and shuts down the parent in the the uh, initial scene prior to the title screen, and um, he's good at it, man. And it's it's interesting because he could stand to be that kind of character a lot more often
3: yeah he can be this guy but he could also you could see if it, it's a movie and he's just like a married dad of three who's a cpa and yeah, or, or is like, getting into some hijinks yeah
2: like cu- couples retreat he's just a dude who's a husband yeah. or whatever and um i'm, I'm looking down it's it, they all blend together is kind of my initial point right like he's got so many of these he's got the one was it Melissa McCarthy that co-starred with him in uh Identity, Identity Thief. Yeah.
3: That movie is that movie is not good. No.
2: <laughs> it's not.
3: Uh, that is that's when they were like that was Melissa McCarthy coming off Bridesmaids and they started throwing everything it they horrible. could at her. Like let's everything. bank on her they let's bank on how slapstick funny she is. Yep. Some of it works. I think Spy is hilarious. Right. Identity Thief is horrible.
2: Horrible, but he's like unsuspecting nice guy in that yeah one. and i think that that is more often than not what he is in movies so i'm i'm with you i like i like the darker version of him um yeah here and and again especially like if he wanted it if he if this character in particular wanted to cut you deep like he could and and not even think twice about it it was great
3: absolutely well let's get in let's get into best scenes uh because starting starting off the opening B basically the before the credits, that first B where we, we find out a lot of things we need to know. One, our character is a major asshole. Yes. Like there's no, there's no ifs ands or buts about that. And we've got most of our plot. He has found this, this loophole to compete in the spelling B. We don't, there's no, there's no questions about it. Basically they, they come out, they have that, they have that argument, um, you know, outside the school and both he and Catherine Hahn basically make it clear. This is how this is happening. He has found this loophole. He's compliant with all 80 pages. Catherine Hahn will, will file suit or, or put it in the papers or whatever should, you know, should they say he can't compete. So we're, you know, it's very important that they gave us the legal explanation and how hard they were making it on the spelling bee to start off this movie.
2: Yeah. I, I will say this. By the time I got through the midway point of the movie, I found myself wondering what could have been done differently in this initial scene because of Catherine Hahn and her character. So she comes over on the phone and like doubles down on the, Oh, there's a loophole. You don't want this to get legal. You don't want it. Cause she's really good in that type of role. And it's a role that she often plays sort of like the, the get shit done boss bitch using my air quotes or whatever um that's that's a role that she's typically cast in and that did not at all turn out to be the role that she played i just i i wondered how how much she was needed in that initial scene to sort of drive home the point because i think he did a pretty okay job on his own with it and it 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 slowed down my process of understanding her character um but it was crucial to to the greater plot, figuring out who he was and what was happening, that sort of thing. Are you are you saying that, that was your that's your best scene or no?
3: No, I'm just gonna run through them chronologically. Yeah, but I okay. wanted I wanted to mention that scene. I thought it was a good opener. Yeah. Um the the next scene is I'm calling the just Noctivagant. The uh the word our guy, our guy poor guy Braden, yeah. who, <laughs> who uh Basically, um we at this point with with our main character, with Guy, with this scene where he gives Catherine Hans panties to a 10 year old uh, causes him uh, insinuates that he had slept with the, that child's mom. We reach the our conundrum of is this character redeemable early in the movie? <laughs> yeah. And because of this and, you know. I, I really don't think so and I think that's one of the big hangups with the movie is despite you know we, we get a look at his inner motivations and that's something that I'm, I'm really behind. I think that's a good a good character development piece. but between this uh, the the ketchup <laughs> the, packets, the ketchup packets <laughs> it, it's it's enough to where it's like I don't this isn't a good guy. He has been wronged in his life. But this is not, that is not okay. Like every move that that child makes up on stage with the underwear as he is like holding it in his hands just makes me cringe.
0: Can you tell your dad that I don't blame him for being so angry? And then can you do me another favor? Can you give these to your mother? She left those in my room last night. I would do it myself. But your dad is here and we've already covered his mood. I don't want to kick the nest. Do you know what I mean? For him. oh buddy them? good luck with that divorce they get so nasty what are you talking about i'm talking about probably a very dysfunctional marriage i'm glad i
2: was there for her and then you've got philip baker hall who's like oh looks like he's got his lucky hanky with him. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> knowing that they did the tv thing and pr- tried to put the 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 espn televised element on there it makes it even cringier right cuz you imagine yourself watching the scripts national spelling bee on ESPN and the, a, a kid's just got a, a an adult woman's underwear just like <laughs> handling it um it's, th- this it's was tough. this was the scene that came to mind for me it just it it was so well done by Bateman again like when he wanted to sort of drive a point home he he really He uh, he he buckled down on some of these and just the dialogue that led up to the kid, Brendan, sheepishly walking up to the microphone, Um, noctivigant, the word perfect for for what he now assumes his mother is doing. Uh, behind his father's back, it was just—it was great. Um, yeah, and, and, and you it, mentioned like Bateman
3: selling him on that too, and yeah. just like the 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 quiet, confident delivery. Just he's so he's so, like, so matter of fact. So sweet, it.
2: she held me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it really drove home the point of like, okay, this guy is going to do anything to win this competition, and you know we've seen maybe. Maybe at that point we hadn't really seen on screen him him spell a tough word yet, um, but yeah, no. It, to me, it perfectly established. Okay, I know what I'm getting from from Guy Trilby. Yeah,
3: yeah. We then get into Guy and Chaitanya's night out. Which uh, it gave me what to me was the funniest moment of the movie. And I mean, cheap joke, the, the The guy who walks out of the stall with the lobster clinging to his balls is that'll get me every time that if if you have a movie, if you have a movie with that kind of like. Dick and balls humor where someone, I mean, it's why, it's why Jackass still resonates 20 years later. Right. Like that stuff is, that stuff is just always going to be funny.
2: Yeah. Um, this, this isn't the point at which I started to bring to the, like my, my front burner of my mind, uh, the score of this film, because that montage was backed by some beastie boys. And then later in the, the closing credits, and and the last scene, you've got the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, sneaky good score to this movie. And that one was perfect for it. But also just like the dynamic, the general dynamic of this adult and a kid, and the kid is being left to his own devices at this hotel, and he takes him out, and they're just like pranking, which I didn't I don't know that I expected that when he first was like come on let's go have some fun and it's like oh they're doing donuts in the parking lot and (laughs) you know they're pranking people and that sort of thing so it was a cool a a cool little turn um sort of down the pathway that i thought it was going to be but but not entirely because i just i don't know you see you see bateman as yeah he hates people but he he probably also questions whether or not they're worth his time to even bother with them. So I don't, I don't know that I saw him being like a, a prankster. Um, prior yeah. to Yeah.
3: Yeah. And we get that. We, he, that little kind of that line about, um, running around with his mom, like running away from rent or, you know, stuff like that. So we get, cause at that point we don't really, and that's the whole theme of this movie is we don't really know a lot about this guy, which yeah. tr- we we are trying to figure out why is he doing this? Why is he like this? And that gives us a little insight as to I- at least kind of an idea between that. And then when Catherine Hahn is mentioning that he left school after eighth grade or whatever it was that, okay, we have a little insight into he's had a tough life. He's had a tough go of it. We still don't know, you know, lots of people have had a tough go of it who aren't, ruining the spelling bee and traumatizing 10-year-olds. Well that's so even a point still... that his character makes,
2: right? He's like, no, we all had our own stuff that we went through and as he's trying to dismiss her and her questions. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but that that scene is that scene is good. It, the child actor performance uh rohan chand i'm sure i'm pronouncing that wrong folks we you know the drill if you listen to this podcast the names are not going to be correct (laughs) um but i i thought he was i I thought as a child actor i thought he was he was great in this movie he was he was very sweet he was sharp yeah um he 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 goes toe-to-toe with jason bateman who at that point had been in the business for 30 years it is one of our more accomplished comedic actors like i'm very impressed
2: yeah, and I um had not seen the Jumanji, the version of Jumanji that he was in. Um, but he, I think he was just sort of like a, a, a bit role in that. But the, also is that
3: the, the rock the rock Jumanji? I think so.
2: The twenty seventeen. Um
3: uh, Yeah. So I think he I I believe I what I caught that when it was like FX or something, I believe that the plot of that one is they go into the game and they are in the bodies of The Rock and Kevin Hart and and uh, oh, whoever else, okay. and Jack Black and whoever else. So I, I believe he is the kid who goes into The Rock's body, okay. if I remember
2: correctly. Um, and then I, I never saw Mowgli, which was 2018, but apparently he's, he's Mowgli in that. So yeah. Like starring role after the fact. Um, so you know, good to see that he's got some stuff going on after this Yeah. yeah he was he was good um and age wise let's see on i got to be like close to 20 now yeah i mean has to be right i'm trying to find it on here damn where all right we're going to look him up on wikipedia instead look at this <laughs> got to have he's got to have a wikipedia cuz cuz you know wiki's going to be age right away 17 all right he'll be 18 in January so yeah like not the kid that he was in that movie so I don't know hopefully I don't know. I, I assume he's he's still capable of of doing good work because you know Mowgli was just a few years ago but um, you know hopefully we start to see him in some some things that would be kind of cool um, that would be, that would be, yeah. I mean, I I'm rooting for
3: this guy. I mean, you go, you got to toe to toe with Bateman. Cause I mean, the next scene, that I wanted to talk about was when Guy burns his study guide, the kid's study guide. He finds out he's been betrayed by this child. The dad, he and the dad are plotting against him. And then Guy burns his study guide. What this child has said is his best friend, essentially his his study guide for the spelling bee. We've officially got a war. And then I love that Chaitani gives it right back to him. And not only... Not only gives it right back to him, he ups the ante and and gets him arrested.
2: Yeah, it calls the cops. He was like a girl was screaming in this room. (laughs) It got like the kid got really dark really quickly when he needed to. When when he, I mean, he had the probably the most dynamic turn character wise of anyone in the film because when you first are introduced to him, he's just like this annoying kid who is is always happy and chipper and just glad to be there and and likes studying and stuff like that and then again he just takes this turn where it's like okay you need me to be villainous for a little bit I can do that and then he meets Bateman in the middle toward the end so like he does the full about face in this one where I don't think anybody else can can say that any other character
3: no i mean they're the only characters really develop in any way and i i think that is one of the movie's kind of shortcomings is not fleshing out most of any and and again it's mainly about guy and then it's about guy in this relationship with titania but it's you know they're the only ones who really get fleshed out so i mean i guess that leads into the final scene that you know the the basically the final showdown between these two and they're go, they're alternating, you know, misspelling the words and eventually Philip Baker Hall takes a chair to the face. Um, the, the thing that cracked me up the most in this scene is when uh guy has come to peace with like, he he's already, he's wrecked the bee, he's ready to lose. And Chaitanya is like wanting to split. It. He keeps misspelling the words and Bateman with pal, we're good. <laughs> like- <laughs> he's like, I'm
2: good. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing
0: you think everything i said was a lie then i'll prove that it wasn't it's not no, 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 about no, no. winning to but me it, i don't give it's a shit my about friend. that and i don't care about that either with all due respect very nice of you, very sweet but i'm not here for that i'm not here for fucking trophy or a check we're these idiots I come on
2: feelings and i wasn't no. a good
3: friend i'm
0: sorry
2: we're good it's a it's also like a, a really it when you pull back the uh the lens to the the broader spectrum of like sports movies too think about how often this could be the case and from a comedic writing standpoint would be hilarious right like imagine if in a sporting event like you go to overtime in a basketball game and for multiple overtime periods both teams are so bad that neither scores, and and it remains tied, right? And you just keep doing this and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, like that's a it's a very basic comedic principle that they have they have applied to this this spelling it's
3: like uh format. have you seen seven days in hell or seven days of hell the uh it's andy samberg and then kit harrington it's like a lonely island production about wimbledon like a wimbledon match that goes seven days yeah. if you oh, haven't I'm, seen this i'm aware yeah, of
2: it but i have not seen it yeah, yeah yeah
3: i mean i mean literally the second we're done recording yeah. you have to it's it's just fucking phenomenal okay. like it'll it, you'll shake your you pants you know i it's do so i funny. Do love
2: the lonely island, so that's, yeah. um, Yeah, i'll have to to check that out but that's that is what it's it's such a simple thing for the, the the plot of this movie or to get to get the point across right like you could they could have just settled it at that like you know they're both okay with the other and and each is okay with losing or submitting or whatever but they drew it out in this long comedic way that again ended up getting um dr dr bowman a a chair (laughs) a well-deserved
3: well-deserved chair and then you know at the end the the friends split things like that kid is too pure for this earth just just absolutely we that's the one thing this movie didn't have our main character probably not a redeemable human um has a lot of apology in his life to do but that kid brings it back to where we're still like oh that's great like this kid is is sweet. This is who we should be sending our love to.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and again, you didn't get that. Like there was development with with Guy or or Bateman, um, but he didn't come all the way around to it. Because the main reason he was okay with submitting the title was because he was like, Oh, okay, I don't need to do this to to accomplish what I initially set out to, right? And his his inner dialogue even says that. Um, so yeah, we I I wish we would we would have seen a little bit more of like a round development with Bateman himself because it's it's weird to me assessing it after the fact and realizing, oh, like the kid was the best character. not yeah. that, not that necessarily, you know, he outperformed Bateman, but as it was written, the kid was easily the best character and did the most develop.
3: Yeah. What was the best
2: scene for you? <sighs> I, I, I think it was the underwear. I <laughs> I, lo- I loved it, man. Like that got me hooked too. There's something to be said for that at first, you know, first couple scenes, I was a little confused as to what Catherine Hahn was doing. Bateman was compelling, but uh, I wasn't, I wasn't like in yet. And then it's like, okay, it's going to be like that. Like he's, He not only is he in this competition, but he's he's going to be cutthroat with it. Um, And and the
3: benefit of him doing something like that—that's completely irredeemable—and like, but that ridiculous—is it's like okay, we've crossed that line now, and we're we can kind of just like anything's on the table
1: at this point.
2: Yep, anything's on the table, and then you were like, oh, he's faking a period for this poor girl like you know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: which like hey man we said anything's on the table we didn't <laughs> we didn't
2: mean that um so yeah that one that one I think was was my favorite
3: yeah I um I am torn between I loved I loved the night out um we didn't mention Chaitanya's face when he sees boobs for the first time which um <laughs> you know, we're gonna get it in the most realistic parts of this movie but that that facial expression <laughs> Um, I, th- I think resonates uh, the lobster was, thing. What was
2: what was, ba- was Bateman like? You want to go get ice cream after, and he's like, <laughs> "Fuck ice cream! How much does it cost to touch them?"
3: <laughs> and then when they they get back to the hotel, he's like, "What if you had a dollar more?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the night out. I think I think that was that was really funny. Good bonding moments, stuff like that. Uh, let's take a quick ad break and get back with the best quote.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: All right, we're back. Uh, best quote. And now with the comedy, a lot of the times, the best quote just ends up being like the joke the best one liner, what, you know, what made you laugh? I already said what made me laugh the most was actually, it was not a, not a line. It was a nice piece of physical lobster comedy. I will say when they're on the plane and a uh, guy tells him his favorite word is auto and, and Chaitany asks you know, what's the origin? And he says, loneliness.
2: Yes. <laughs> That's the first one that I, I like noted in my head. Um, that was good. That was a good one to me. Um, I'm trying to think, like what what else is in the mix for this best quote? Uh, When him and
3: Han, when him and Han are having are having sex, and she's doing the "don't look at me" thing, and Bateman says, "Your face eats (laughs) hard-ons." But no see, like, one is no Catherine Hahn has a special skill of being hilarious in like these freakish sex scenes because like Step Brothers <laughs> Step is like Brothers, that too. Like up on uh, the The, urinal the, afterwards. the goods, <laughs> the goods, which is a movie that yeah. I'm just I'm huge on. Like,
2: yeah, uh C- Catherine Hahn is a pro. Yeah. Um again though, just like the 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 insignificance of that scene. Um I don't know if it's ever applied for a movie that you and I have discussed, but like Hollywood just has this way of unnecessarily wedging in romance. And again, like after the final scene, they're like holding hands and running off Bateman and, and Catherine Han are. And I just wonder, like, was that necessary? You know, like some of. Yeah. The- Cause
3: you don't see anything with that, with those two yeah. Uh, other than the fact that they had sex that would lead you to believe that they would have sex or be romantic in any like. And like I that that's the one thing. And I think we'll get into it with Catherine Hahn and then also Allison Janney yeah. and, you know, how this how this movie fleshed out the the female characters. But while Catherine Hahn might be like, it might be a title you could bestow her like funniest in a sex scene in the world award. Like she, <laughs> yeah. again, she does this repeatedly. Not sure how necessary it was other than just the, the straight up comedy. Um, right. Bateman has one more line when they are eating ice cream, when he and Chitanya are eating ice cream, says, you need to slow down. Look like you got into the wrong dude's
1: ass.
2: <laughs> 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 what was the, um, what what was the uh chaitani says uh he tries to give an insult while they're sitting there eating ice cream damn it why did I not write that one down and it's it's the point at which Bateman is is like yeah you're not good at this like you're not good at at insulting verbally um man I wish I could re- that's all right we can move on that's that's gonna hang us up um but that one was pretty funny just to me, like to me, people missing with with jokes is funny or or, you know, it's like the Borat. What is up with it? Vanilla face. It's like, all right, that's, you know.
3: Yeah. I mean, well, and as someone is someone raising an eight year old, <laughs> I mean, raising a child in general who is eight. Kids are not funny when they're trying to be funny. Right. They are. They are funny unbeknownst when they do something dumb that they are not intending to do. But when kids are trying to be funny, they're deeply unfunny. I don't know when kids develop legitimate comedic timing, but I can tell you it is not eight does not appear to be 10. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe in their teens, I've seen videos of a young Seth Rogen doing standup as an early, you know, as like an early teenager. So it might be at maybe like 13, 14, kids can develop some comedic timing.
2: Yeah. And that, that is what this captured. Um, I God, I wish I could remember the, the insult that he tried to to deal. Um but it was funny because it was not good. Um and again, the character at this point is trying to to just hit with a, a massive zinger and it's just not it's not there.
3: <laughs> well, let's go to the most realistic or authentic parts of this movie. Yeah. This, um, is needed.
2: this is needed.
3: Yeah. So the thing is and I'll be honest, and, and folks, you might be surprised. I don't I don't have much experience with the spelling bee. I don't know, you know, it seems like they were all good spellers. Seems like, you know, everything was ship shape. I do have two, just in general, kind of like realistic or authentic things that are a little deeper, not really about spelling or any of the stuff. Um, parental abandonment is a deep scar, can cause people to do some you know, can can cause a lot of legitimate hurt, and that's what this movie unpacks. Very late into the movie, um, this this driver for guys. So I thought, in terms of, because that's the the whole plot of this movie. It's not really a spelling bee movie. It's a mystery movie. It's why is this guy doing this? And when we get to that, it's a big oh. That that makes sense, and that can that can hurt a person deep, and that can break a person, especially when that that person was not it seemed seemingly not supplanted by any sort of stable childhood, right. at all. And so I thought that was an effective marker for why is he wired this way.
2: Yeah. Um and you kind of saw not it's not a it wasn't a parallel. But again, I I wondered from the time that it was announced as such why the kid was left in the hotel himself. So you you sort of saw some similarities in Okay, the way Bateman's character was just straight up abandoned, but this more like tactical, semi abandonment make you more independent type of of thinking, and and like they were like they were kindred in that way for for a moment, right? For mm-hmm. for the the scene, the night out scene, and and that's sort of how they connected, I guess, is because. Bateman's always had this freedom for worse for, you know, taking the expression for better or worse. It's clearly for worse in this case. And um, the, the kid had never had that and is sort of being introduced to the one extreme of, of being able to use that. Um, that, that was sort of a parallel that I, I don't, I don't know that they explored it as much as they should have or could mm. have. Um, but that could have been something to make it a a little bit more, like make it, not that there were a ton of loose threads in the relationship between the two of them, but it could have been tightened up a little bit with some of that.
3: Yeah. What did you have as the most authentic or realistic part of this one?
2: Um, I, I think, I think the motivator is what it is. Um, you know from talking about other sports movies the the motivator is like winning is always a motivation but it's never just winning right when we talk about major league it's they want to stick it to the owner um it's in in other movies it's it's Whatever the case, yeah, it
3: could be, could be like the the natural. It's like redemption, yeah. It's like unfulfilled, you know, unfulfilled promise, um, you know, stuff like that. But this this one has a, a clear motivator. Yeah,
2: and and I like that it's sort of um, derived from from sort of the psyche and and emotional space because I think, uh, not that not that there aren't films that do that, but again, it's part of the dark spin on this. There, there was a more mainstream version of this in a parallel universe that does not take it down that route. Right. And they stay on a safer path down the middle.
3: Yeah. This movie could be, it could be made like in the, and I I think for worse off in that this is kind of like a kookier comedy and that, um, you know, this guy had a lost a spelling bee in third grade and just never got over it or got like screwed, like felt like he got cheated or something when he was in like third or fourth grade and is like getting his revenge on the, the institution of the spelling bee itself. And I think this motivator more explains this drastic behavior than just, you know, a 40 year old man who's got a, you know, a bone to pick with the, the national spelling bee.
2: Yeah. It makes more sense as weird as that is. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's even wackier, but it, it makes it make more sense. Um, so yeah, no, that that's the definition. That that to me is is somewhat authentic, right? And because otherwise, you can't make a you can't make a spelling bee movie. That's mm-hmm. right. I mean, without without the thing that's happening outside of the actual competition in this this movie and the same could be said for any other sport in a sports movie right um you can't make a, a football movie that's no different than going to watch a football game um you got to have some some sort of character driven emotion driven element there um
3: you got to build rooting interest
2: yeah for sure other than just like okay you know this is I'm from here this is my team
3: yeah yeah Um, the least realistic or authentic part of this one. Uh, I am pretty sure that guy would be arrested for giving a 10 year old, uh, underwear, women's underwear, or the period prank. Either one probably gets him arrested, probably get him, put gets him put on a sex offender registry, especially I was thinking, okay, so Braden walks off the stage. He throws the the underwear at his parents, his parents. Then they like, what did he throw at us? They pick it up. These are clearly women's underwear. How did you get women's right. underwear? Questions oh, the forty-year-old man that every single person hates <laughs> gave me underwear. Wait, are you saying a forty-year-old man gave you a pair of women's underwear? That's what I'm saying. Okay, let's go to jail.
2: He's out, right? It, like yeah. they wanted a reason to get him out. Boom, that's done. Yeah.
3: You're telling me Alice and Janney didn't see that kid throw those underwear and then run right over there to be like, you were sitting next to a guy and you just threw some underwear at your parents. What happened?
2: <laughs> You're right. Let's investigate this um, as we are working very diligently, as I've explained to the angry mob of parents to try and get this dude out of here. Um, that's a good one. How about like giving a 10-year-old shots under the bar?
3: That too. Right? Yeah, that too. Especially because Chaitanya's dad was in... So they, they get back from the night out. uh, And we see Chaitanya's dad is in the hotel room. Yeah. And then we find out later that they had kind of planned on, on that. But... But the kid's 70 pounds
2: or whatever he is.
3: Yeah. And And that dad's going to see it. Yeah, he's going to see it in the eyes. He's going to smell it on the breath. Yeah. Like, I think at that point, he's going to kind of throw out the, hey, we're trying to sabotage this guy to, again, great way to sabotage the guy who's the biggest threat to your son. Say he took your son out to a bar.
2: Right. It actually, actually hold him accountable for the legit things that he is doing throughout the span of this movie, rather than trying to come up with some kind of kooky side (laughs) plot. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of that uh, interestingly. And, you know, just like, not that you can't whisper to somebody in the chair next to you, but again, this dude was like, they had, they had eagle eyes on this dude. Yeah. and, And that's the picture that they wanted to paint but he kind of got away with some stuff without anybody seeing or noticing right um or like you know they put him in the the storage closet of a room and it's like he he puts a bag of his shit on the receptionist's desk or whatever like that's that's something too that like if those actually were the circumstances and you're actually trying to get him thrown out, if you or I defecated in a, a bag and set it on a, a hotel lobby's desk, we're no longer staying at that hotel. Like that's just,
3: yeah. Evil. From, from my understanding, <laughs> you are, you are out of there. Um, I have. Yeah i have um i have been told i cannot urinate somewhere publicly before and and potentially risk some some serious some <laughs> some serious trouble yeah. so uh shout out shout out waffle house <laughs> um <laughs> we've all we've all been young once uh did you have anything else for the least authentic in this one besides just a forty year old man competing in a spelling so
2: movie? all right so you you this might get to our um Again, it's an issue of semantics. This might get to our best athlete and and like people being good spelling athletes. I've got something along those lines. Um, I will say also the headsets being used by the broadcast team, the public broadcast team, those are from like the 80s. (laughs) And (laughs) this movie was made in 2013. It it struck me as a little weird, especially because – we're accustomed to seeing this type of thing play out on ESPN. It is a big production.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a huge, huge deal. The whole set in general, the the spelling bee, that vibe was ve- felt very like 1980. Felt very small scale for what this for what this was. From and they, what because the the script spelling bee, if I remember correctly, that isn't a massive auditorium,
2: right? Yeah. Oh, it's huge. And again, national television. ESPN's been doing that thing for years now at this point and they did establish that it's the national public tv so it's like a pbs that's airing it but even still it's a national outlet like (laughs) (laughs) they had like the one camera they set up in the front row as a prop that's like turned Toward something that's clearly not going to make it on TV, and he walks. I, I noticed that Bateman like shuffled by that at one point, <laughs> and the 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 screen the the monitor didn't change when he walked in front of it. Right, so it's clearly not working the camera. <laughs> and if it was, it was it was pointed in the wrong direction. But um, no, it, they just had this. Um, it was a it was a weirdly old vibe um i guess the auditorium probably didn't lend itself to making it look more modern but right it seems to be like an old setting and that's kind of what they were going for because that's the typical setting for a, a spelling bee or whatever but the the public tv setup was we like their headsets didn't even fit uh it was it was odd and then and then having dr bowman on the broadcast not that that wouldn't happen right the 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 founder of the Scripps National Spelling Bee certainly could be the analyst on a, an ESPN broadcast of that mm-hmm. kind or whatever. And, um, you know, I hope I, I hope uh, Philip Baker Hall is okay because, and, and clearly, I hope he was okay in 2013, 2014, whenever they, they shot this. Because, man, did you struggle to understand what he was saying? Okay,
3: I'm. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, uh, not so. Philip Baker Hall, another guy who has been in our lives for a long time. Um, Heart Eight, awesome movie, great early PTA. Uh, Rush Hour. Um, he's in Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Would argue, you know, for me, like that's a top three movie of that decade. Um, yeah, Philip Baker Hall was not at his. He still had. He still had the aura. He still had what he brings to the screen, but definitely a little harder to understand. I don't know if that was slurring. I don't know if that was just getting older, struggling yeah. a little bit with it, with his enunciation, but not his, he wasn't at his sharpest.
2: No. And it was mainly the, the TV setting to me. Cause, cause like when he had the headset on and they were doing the, the, the TV bit, this is, this is televised, that sort of thing. Um, that's when I struggled to understand what he was saying. Whereas, you know, they had the, the, the the scene he and bateman that it was meant to be sort of intense um and his his threatening bateman out outside at the duck pond you know i i i tried to notice then it was like okay he's speaking pretty clearly here when he picks up the microphone and yells at the crowd uh, i i think he was it was pretty well understandable and um yeah, for whatever reason, he, when he was maybe it's maybe it's because he had his ears covered up, and I don't, I don't, I'm sure they weren't like functioning headphones. So, like, just from a broadcast perspective, like, if I can't hear myself talking, it's gonna, I'm gonna struggle to speak sometimes. And, you know, he's in an advanced age.
3: Yeah, he was 83. Or he was eighty three or like eighty two when this movie came out. i yeah. Um, looking at it now, he seems to have he's still he's still among the living. Mm-hmm. Um, he has his last credit is twenty seventeen, so four years after this, after this came out. But um, man, he's been
2: was that Bojack Horseman? Th- what was his last credit?
3: Um, okay, so his last his last film credit was twenty seventeen. Last TV credit. Is room
2: 104. Okay. Yeah, Bo was 2015. He was
3: man, Philip Baker Hall has been doing it since 1970. <laughs> he's god damn. And it looks, I mean, and he really he really hits this. I, I know you know TV and stuff like that, but it looks like I mean, he's just he's mostly guest star roles and stuff. Like he hits it late. Like if we want to shift this into a Philip Baker Hall podcast, it really seems like he kind of hits his stride. In the nineties. Yeah. Like he gets uh dude, the two thousand
2: busy for him.
3: Oh yeah, he gets hard eight. Well, I mean, once once you've been grinding for so long, you might as well cash those checks. But yeah, he goes hard eight with PTA. Then he links up with PTA again for boogie nights, and then like we're on. We're Air Force One, Truman Show, Rush Hour, talented Mr. I mean <laughs> fucking Magnolia the insider. He goes talented Mr. Ripley, Magnolia the Insider. Fucking back to back to back. That's an Amansky right there. That's a great Amansky.
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
3: oh my! I mean, incredible, incredible stuff. Gee. Wow, good for good for Philip Baker Hall. Man, love that for him.
2: Look at this: 185 acting credits. That's God. That's insane. Good for him. Good for him. But again, um, not his best work. <laughs> in bad words, not. No, no, credits. no. And again, like you said, the aura is there. And I feel like he's given, he's assigned the same type of character, especially later in his life. He, he's assigned that powerful, heinous, in some cases, is going to, to leverage a situation against you type character. And, and at the Duck Pond, he, he accomplished that. Um,
3: and, and thinking about that conversation they have at the duck pond in retrospect, when he talks about he's he's extracted himself from difficult situations or things, you know, that would turn his life around. And like Guy, meanwhile, like when you watch that with a, the lens of knowing that he is the father that abandoned Guy, I mean, Guy had to want to drown him in the duck pond.
2: Well, and Guy mentions, I think the quote is, for what I'm trying to do, I'm way ahead in ways that you don't even know so it's like his awareness in that moment that that bowman is his father and like that's that, that dude the re, the whole reason you're doing this is threatening you and standing right in front of you and he has no idea um yeah that that on a second watch would be a, a little bit more of an interesting scene
3: Yeah. Is there anything else about this one that worked that we haven't talked about? I mean, I think we've, you know, we've talked about Bateman, that range. I think, I think he carries this one well, especially he's doing it behind the camera. I think Han and Bateman are a great combo when they are on screen together, although I would have liked that a little, you know, maybe some things changed. Is there anything that we haven't touched on?
2: No, I mean, he was great for what he needed to be. Um, I, I wish the script would have written him a little rounder um we've talked about the kid that which worked great yeah i, th- I mean i think that's it. the score i even mentioned that it was good um that worked i've got probably a handful on the things that that didn't though
3: yeah let's let's roll into that um for me the main thing there's two main things for me it's one that the things he did to the other contestants are pretty irredeemable Um, you know, he's clearly a hurt person, but I think, you know, and there's, there's argument for, you know, Hey, not everyone's perfect. And like move, you know, sometimes a movie character is like a, a bad person, but like, I think you can still do this one where it shows that he's, um, you know, he, he's a hurt person. He's definitely rough around the edges and he's, he's a little despicable at times, but the stuff to children is morally broken. um, You know, the movie isn't as good if he's just a really good guy who's trying to, you know, trying to do this. But it also, like, you know, don't convince a 10-year-old she just had her period. I could do without that.
2: (laughs) Uh, So, I'm okay with it if they do it differently. Not the the actual things, like the, the, the adult woman's underwear to our guy, Brendan, or i even like convincing the girl that she's having her first period is, is fine if you if the redeemable action is better cuz to to me it all gets back to the redeemable action for him was still motive based it was still oh well i don't even need to win so it's no you know it's no loss for me to just let this kid win Yeah.
3: Basically this worked out for
2: him. Um, It worked out for me and I got the satisfaction that I thought was going to require the championship. And it turns out I'm content now. And I don't even need it. Right. Like that (laughs) makes it a much easier, like olive branch to extend to the kid. Whereas the kid has every right in the world. Like this, grown man comes rumbling into your child's competition that you are fit to win he like does he, he he encourages you to do extremely illegal and dangerous things he sets personal property of yours on fire like <laughs> you've got all the reason in the world to just be like no fuck this guy i'm going to win and he he takes that step from a moral perspective that Bateman's character absolutely in no way does not. Right. So if you, if you build the plot in a way that the step down to his new friend is more severe, then it's fine. Right. Those, those things are, you mentioned they're irredeemable. I mean, realistically they would be, um, but in, in the context of a script yeah, you can turn him around just like that, and it's like, oh, wasn't that funny when, that he did that when he was a terrible person, but he's changed now. <laughs> he's 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 a good guy now. Yeah, and that's I think that's what they were going for, but like, no, you're not getting that by me, right? Because I'm I'm, not, I'm sitting here thinking it's like, okay, he's not losing anything. He's not giving anything up really to, for. It's interesting. There's almost
3: no down. There's almost no downside for him in this entire movie. None. Like you could call it that, that hiccup of getting arrested, but even that, like he's in and out. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of an interesting thing to, to look back on is that you never feel because again, he's our main character. We are rooting for him, even though we probably shouldn't be rooting for him. Yeah. And there's never a moment where we feel like he's not in complete control, to be honest, which is kind of for a guy like this, he probably in a lot of his life has not felt like he's in control of anything, but we have, you know, he's smooth sailing through this. We know he's not seemingly not going to miss any words. Um, You know, he hasn't like everything just goes according to plan. And
2: and as a result, nothing requires him to look inward or change in a major way. Mm. Like, The only thing that changed for him from beginning of the movie to the end of the movie is mysteriously like having this love interest with the journalist now, which is a throwaway because that makes no sense. But he also, he, he's, he accomplished what he set out to do. I think in terms of who he was, it stayed flat the whole time. It was a straight line. Um, So yeah, that gets back to the larger point that I just wish he would have been a more round character.
3: Yeah, well, let's talk about relationship with the journalists, just Han and Allison Janney, too. It's interesting, like, Allison Janney is so fucking good. It's just absolutely, it's incredible how good she is. Like, the West Wing, she's a killer. Allison Janney is a fucking killer in everything she does. And they, like, they had a star wide receiver, and they threw her the ball twice. And one of them was like a, a short slant and the other was a screen that got kind of bottled up. And like, it's interesting. I mean, again, if you can have Alice and Janie for that role, by all means, get Alice and Janie. Like never, that's never not a bad thing, but it's like, you didn't really need her. Cause that, that, that role is kind of not fleshed out. I'm wondering what was left on the floor as far as her scenes with her and scenes with, uh, Catherine Hunt because Alison James character. to remember that that Proctor who she was a complete dick to uh comes and says you know you're done and we don't hear from her again no, she actually that, was that's done. it
2: that's it it was like they had they had her and Philip Baker Hall to sort of serve the same purpose up to that point and they they determined okay he's essential to the plot we don't need her anymore so I'm like I'm with you again Get Alice and Janney if you can get her, but that's even a character you didn't even need to have written in. yeah. um, yeah, because
3: you because Philip Baker Hall could have been the pe- the guy dealing with all the angry people as well. Like she has that one great it's that great scene. We get her.
2: I, I was gonna say, I mean, that's it, who that's what they had uh, Dr. Bowman doing anyway at the end, right. Yeah, but once she was gone, I mean, he could have handled the the two scenes or whatever. That required that, or you know, there was the initial scene, right, where he was in there. You know, like, they swing. they meet,
3: and you get the three of them to meet, and yeah. that's that's good. Like it's good seeing the three of them on camera together, Janie and Han and 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 Bateman. But yeah, it seems and it seems with that, and then it seems with the Han role that they weren't quite sure what her like exactly what she's she's doing, what's motivating her. Is she a real serious journalist? Is she kind of like this fringe clickbaity person? She's also having sex with this guy, which doesn't seem like if she's seriously trying to do this, it doesn't seem because he's the, the least appealing human in the world at this point. like, yeah, I, it's it, kind of not 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 thought out, but it's just like, hey, the sex scene would be funny. We should do it.
2: Yeah. And like the first time they introduced the 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 concept or the fact that they're, they're having sex. It was just kind of like, wait, what really? <laughs> like first scene, first scene you were telling me that she was like a, a, a badass go-getter who gets things done. Then she's like this waffling journalist who can't get a straight answer out of him. And then it's like, Oh, you know, we're just doing this thing where we have sex. Some like, I, those were the first three scenes for her. So like, I, I didn't get a good grasp of what her purpose was in it. And then by the end, they're trying to force this romantic thing. And we didn't see any indication that that's what was going to be. And um, it was a, it was a weird role. Um, And again, like not to, to take it here, but those are the two most prominent female roles in the movie. Right? Like I just, I, why were those the ones getting, getting, less out of it. Um when you've got two really 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 good pieces in Han and Janny, right? Like they could have they could have greatly enhanced the movie. Um but they they those were the roles that just had things taken from them evidently. Um so I don't I don't know yeah. I didn't understand it.
3: Yeah. There's uh we'll we'll get into that here in a in a few minutes with how to improve it. Um Lenny Harris pinch her award for best supporting character. Um, I'm I'm going with the cat. Like I'm considering everyone besides Bateman a supporting character, and I think you got to give it to the kid.
2: Hundred percent, kid's amazing. And if he qualifies, hundred percent. Because again, best character in the movie. Yeah, best. He was yeah. most well written. The kid nailed it best character
3: one shout out to ben falcone who is the i think he's the guy from the tv station he's like the, uh, for the play-by-play
2: play of, of yeah he's,
3: he's doing doing the play-by-play play. always good to see good to see ben falcone we talked about melissa mccarthy earlier i think uh yeah. their most most notable work together but yeah the, the kid rohan chand hope he's hope he's doing good work i hope i got even like 60 percent close to pronouncing his yeah. name but um, i need to go watch he's Mowgli. good stuff i need to
2: watch Mowgli now like I...
3: you, you you don't <laughs> Now, vi- like that's one that if you could have seen it in a theater, pretty cool. Okay. Cause like, it, you know, visual, it's got the, you know, it's live action jungle book and stuff like that or whatever. Cause I think that's what it, I think that's what Mowgli was, that live action jungle book. Yeah, maybe I there mean, was, it was live quick.
2: action jungle book. At the very least, I think there was, wasn't there a live action jungle book that was entitled jungle book and then Mowgli maybe?
3: Oh, I didn't realize those were separate. Maybe they yeah, were separate. maybe you need to go see Mowgli. I don't know. I, don't know. I think I've seen because I know Scarlett Johansson was a snake, and I it right. was a it was a sexual sounding snake. Sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> folks, let us know what you think about Mowgli. <laughs> um, so the big chill. So obviously this isn't your typical sports movie, and like it's definitely not a big chill moment when he spells the last word right. When guy pulls up at the end in that auction police car, Blues brothers style. Not full chills, but I-, I liked it. That made me happy.
2: I t- no see. I I didn't really like this one because you, I don't know. You didn't fully flesh out the car thing. It was a nice again. It was it was intended to be this this rounded character thing, and by the end, you're trying to convince us that he's like buddy buddy with this kid. And yeah, I mean, I if they're both in a fixed setting where they're in the same hotel and they have to hang out with somebody, I, I, you sold me on the idea that he's going to want to maybe hang out with this kid. Best friends, like going to pick him up from school and chase down his bullies uh, is a little much.
3: How many more bonding scenes did we need? Did we need a little bit guy telling him a little bit more? Cause what we see are the, 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 Small indications we get from Guy, he's moving around a lot with his mom. He's playing with his car. He doesn't really have any friends. We get that indication, but I'm not sure in their one brief conversation that Chitania really picks up on that. Like no. how much of how much of the same they the same but different they really are. Yeah, so like did the, we need two more scenes, three
2: more scenes? The viewer picks up on it. But there's no way I Bateman might not even pick up on it because he's so he's still condescending and is is you know when he determines that this kid is his enemy, that's he, he's got zero problem turning on him and and thinking and knowing he's smarter and can outsmart him. So we needed a lot more, I think. Um,
3: yeah well, th- I mean that leads into how to, how to improve it. Um, you yeah. Know, some scenes like that for one.
2: I've got one more. I've, I've got one more that one more thing that didn't work regarding uh, Catherine <laughs> Han, and it's just I've got I made a note of it. When they first get to the hotel, and this was in the midst of a, a lot of confusing things for her character. When they first get to the hotel, she asks the bartender if he knows how to make an old fashioned, which is oh, which is fine, I guess. But just order the old fashioned. He'll tell you if he doesn't know how to make it. And he's flash, It's going to be a really, really uncommon experience if he doesn't know how to make an old fashioned.
3: That's it. It's also an interesting order at like three o'clock in the afternoon.
2: Right. She was just like, <laughs> I'm going to get you and, to the drink thing with is, me and spill your guts. Like, that's it.
3: That hotel bar. Is, that's not the bar you get in old fashioned. No. At. That's like uh that's you get a you get a liquor in a mixer or you get a draft beer, maybe a glass of wine.
2: Keep it simple, right? Um it was it was <laughs> she said it and it was just kind of like wait, what there? <laughs> and they're trying to establish that it's like a sort of a, a borderline dumpy hotel that uh, that gave him a dumpy closet as a room, and then it's like <laughs> oh you guys can make anything here right
3: (laughs) yeah you're getting like a well whiskey on that one or like a well bourbon Eh,
2: yeah no so that was that was a good catch that was a weird one for me um and one more which could also improve it right as we talk about sports choreography we're going to talk about spelling bees in the same way we get it bateman is super smart and can spell any word but everybody who's ever participated in a spelling bee knows you got to say the word, spell it, say it again. And he just goes right into the spelling every time. And I don't know if I'm like condi- overly conditioned through a few different spelling bees in elementary school to this, but it irritated the hell out of me that he would not say the word, then spell it, and then say it again. Like, those are the rules. Of, of again it doesn't
3: it doesn't give us any reason to believe that he's just not going to cruise through this and I feel like we need to be a little bit we need to believe in him a little bit less and not that we're believing in his mission but we need to at least think that something might legitimately
2: go wrong for him and it's a perfect if it's a perfect opportunity to use that and build some drama right like if if um anti-disestablishmentarianism was one of the words right like if anti-disestablishmentarianism N, A-N, but he like they just go right into it all the kids did it and it's like nope that's not proper form it's not believable <laughs> not believable not, <laughs> not stuffy enough for the the proctor there to to be particular about how you're yeah. formatting your answer
3: fucking encyclopedia brown over there just going into it <laughs> um <laughs> i think if if you're improving this one, I think you just, you make him a little, you have to make him a little more redeemable. Yeah. I, I think you, you know, I think he can, I think psyching out the kids is different than like nearly assaulting them, like doing something that would get you arrested. I think if he, you know, something about, oh, a lot of tough words. Oh, that's a tough word. Wow, man. All these kids are really smart. Like I can't, you know, or something like something like that versus the irredeemable stuff. And then I would, listen, you've got Alice and Janie and Catherine Hahn, like let them cook, let them do, let
2: yep. him do something. I think that's it. I think, I think he, again, in terms of his development was a flat line through the entire movie. And, and if he was even slightly more dynamic in his development, it puts it up a few notches and you do that. You clean up the purpose for for Han and Janie, and you've got yourself. Uh, I mean, it's borderline no holes in it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing with that development is it it points to a conundrum in another sports movie, Tin Cup. Costner is the same dude at nope. the end of the movie that he was at the beginning. That's of the a movie. great. Great, same, same fucking guy. The guy who blows up the US Open, go back to your driving range. You're still a dumbass. (laughs) Like, it's, and it's the same guy. It's the same thing here. And like, yeah, it seemingly works out for him. And the, I mean, the one thing we also don't get anything about what this closure he has been building up his entire life for this. Now he, he hasn't known. Yeah. He hasn't known that Bowman is his dad the whole time, but you've got to imagine with how much this gets at him. He has been thinking about this for years for his entire life. And we don't, there's that, you know, that brief, you know, he gives him the letter, he tears it up, says the thing about being your son. He walks off. We don't, we, we see briefly Bowman reading the letter, but we don't get any, anything about any acknowledgement of like how this makes him feel like his, his life's mission. It's like, you know, what's he, you know, like I, I, Grayson and I watched the princess bride the other night and, and Nico Montoya kills, you know, kills the six fingered man. And he's like, I don't know. I've been doing this my whole life. I don't know what to do now guy doing the same thing and we don't see any acknowledgement of like this massive weight just fell off your shoulders or maybe it wasn't a weight. Maybe it was your sole
2: purpose in life. And now you're lost. I I don't know. Doesn't he allude to closure at some point in it too. And again, I, I just watched it like hours before we recorded this. So I should be the one answering this, but he, he, um, he's talking to the kid and they're talking about, um, Oh, it's the kid trying to convince him that it's not all about winning. And he's like, "Well, yeah, closure is pretty good too." <laughs> right? So it's like they're very aware of this.
3: Yeah, but we don't see it. Like we don't actually, you don't see the emotional weight. They just sort but... of just
2: like assume it happens. And Yeah. I will say when when he ripped up the letter and was like, "What could you write that I would possibly be interested in reading?" He's <laughs> he's like, "Well, I put a bit in there about being your son and then just like walks <laughs> away like that was pretty funny to me. I I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um but yeah.
3: Tying in and proving it to our last category before more restore you know prequel sequel or remake. I don't think this movie will be remade prequel sequel anything like that. I would be interested and this is just a hypothetical thing cuz it won't happen. Bateman now having, he has had, this is his directorial debut. He has now done episodes of Ozark. He's done other things directing. I would be interested to see what this movie looks like with eight years, eight, nine years of, of Bateman directing experience now, like being behind the camera versus his first debut. Because I, I think yeah. it's good. I think it needs some stuff that's fleshed out and maybe. You know, maybe there was some stuff left on the cutting room floor or maybe there was some different directions that they would have gone. I'd be very interested to see what this movie would look like with him, you know, having that experience under his belt now and being able to see it as a whole.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting hypothetical. I would like to see conceptually a Spelling Bee movie done again. I, I think there are other ways to do it. The way modern sports movies are done, too, you could get an ESPN tie-in and have like the actual scripts National Spelling Bee be the event that it's that is.
3: I will say there's a movie called Aquila in the Bee, but I believe that is not the kind of movie we're looking for. Okay,
2: I just because conceptually. There aren't many even, you know, obscure movie, obscure sports that haven't had movies. Ma- I mean, like Cool Runnings is a thing. Um, yeah. Like, we could use a curling movie, probably, if that doesn't exist.
3: Men with Brooms. Oh, you've covered it's that. One, I have covered Men with Brooms. Men with Brooms is a quality movie. It's funny. Uh, Leslie Nielsen in that movie, Love it's that. not perfect. But it is we've got a Curly movie, we got one. Okay, I, Men with Brooms. You're watching that after after seven days. I'm not even sure where you can stream that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So right, so, we, so we had Aquila in the B in 2006. Okay, uh, drama. Lawrence Fishburne. So Aquila Anderson, 11 year old spelling enthusiast, attends Crenshaw Middle School, predominantly black school in South Los Angeles. So we kind of see where that plot is. Okay, you know, um, a little more. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I'd be game for. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be game, I'd be game for some more. Yeah, I mean, this movie had a budget of six to eight million, so they didn't, they didn't put a ton behind it, but they did get Lawrence Fishburne. We love and Angela Bassett, who is still, we were, I mean, we were talking about Amanda Pete before we started recording, but Angela Bassett is just, yeah, just un, just she is just beating the shit out of time. <laughs> Time time keeps coming for Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett keeps knocking time out in the first Fins round. Ends it all. Just incredible. Time. Incredible stuff. Yeah. Incredible stuff. But uh man, this was fun. Yeah. It is always great having you back on, talking, talking spelling bee, talking whatever. Tell the folks again, Kay and the Crazies, what's the situation? Yeah,
2: K and the Crazies uh narrative podcast series about Duke men's basketball head coach Mike Shishovsky and the symbiotic relationship he has with the Cameron Crazies, the student fan base there at Duke for the men's basketball team, Shishovskyville, and how they they do all these abnormal things, tenting to to get seats to to games, the organized infrastructure of it, and just the beast that it's become. Um, the rise of K, obviously runs parallel to the rise of, of the prominence of the crazies. So K in the crazies, uh, by the time this is out, we should have a Kickstarter up and running that that Kyle's going to be so kind to, uh, link and push out and try and get some, some small backers for, um, so yeah, we started as a film project. We're trying to recoup some of the, the sunken personal costs of, Initial production and um, get this thing out right around the time that uh, ACC basketball season is going to be right in the thick of things. K is going to be close to on his way out, maybe even making a run in a national championship. Uh, you know, we'll see how his players behave between now and then.
3: Well, everyone go check that out. Again, that link's going to be in the show notes. If it's not out by the time this episode drops, we'll put it in next week's show notes. I'll tweet it out. I'll make sure to keep you guys in the loop. If you enjoyed this episode, remember, subscribe, forget you forget your podcast, rate, and leave a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash bigscreensports. You can vote on, on all the movies that we are covering next month. We have We have live polls for that, so go check that out. And we'll catch you next Monday. Thanks for listening.